this is Bob Morris in Desert Horticulture. Today we'll be talking about how to have excellent vegetable production in your raised beds or garden area through crop rotation, vegetable seed selection, and when plants give, you must give back. All this and more on today's Desert Horticulture. I get a lot of questions sent to me why my vegetables are not producing like I want them to. Some of the reasons are pretty straightforward. Sometimes they'll pick up seed at the local box store and expect miracles from them. Sometimes they'll pick up or use old seed. The seed has been around for a long time. Nobody knows its quality anymore and whether it'll do anything, but they thought they would plant it and give it a shot. But let me tell you some of the things that I think are extremely important for high quality vegetable production. Number one is crop rotation. Recently there were some uh, YouTubers out there who made some comments that vegetable rotation, crop rotation of your vegetables is not important. That's only, it only pertains to large-scale production. It doesn't pertain to home vegetable production. Nothing could be further from the truth. These things, uh, this whole idea of crop rotation, of moving your vegetable production areas year after year into different areas is well-founded. It's been well-founded for over a couple of hundred years. And this is something that farmers discovered a long time ago. A long time ago. You don't for instance, grow tomatoes in the same spot year after year after year. This was really driven home to me when I was uh, in Lebanon and I was looking at some vegetable production in greenhouses there. And right in the middle of production, this is tomato vegetable production, right in the middle of this uh, of when the tomatoes were looking their best, when the tomatoes, in this case, they, many of them were not grown on the ground. They were doing it uh, just like you would in a normal, normal uh, tomato production facility in a greenhouse. You minimize space by growing them upwards. You use tomatoes that continue to get longer and longer, and their vines continue to get longer and longer and keep producing fruit, and you follow the fruit up. And in this case, you go ahead and use uh, string or twine, and you start uh, you start to train these tomatoes. You don't they don't climb these vines or uh, these these twines or or strings, but you have to train them. You have to grab them and and handle them cautiously, but cause them to start to twine around these individual strings, and then you harvest the fruit. Well, when I was in some of these greenhouses, they had begun this this technique of of training these vegetable vines, these tomato vines, to climb these strings. And in the middle of the whole thing, they were starting to get disease problems. They were starting to see on the leaves and on the stems die back, and in some cases the whole plants would die. And I'd ask them questions. I, I looked at it and I assumed it was most likely verticillium. It could be fusarium in some cases. It could be a host of problems, but I asked them, I said, what did you grow in here in this greenhouse last year? Because they're growing directly in the soil. 
inside the house. When they said tomatoes, I said, what about the year before that? Tomatoes. What about the year before that? Tomatoes. I said, why don't you grow a different crop in here? Because part of this problem that you're having is a disease problem. And when you start growing the same crop year after year in the same spot, this gives the disease potential to start to build in the soils. And and when you start to grow these crops again, your the possibility that something is going to go wrong is pretty high. You need to grow something else. And they said, well, we picked tomatoes because that's the best price that we get, we can get in our local markets. And sometimes we grow things, sometimes commercially we grow things because the market dictates that it needs that and they're willing to pay enough price to warrant it, but it doesn't make sense agronomically, agriculturally, because of this concept of uh, crop rotation. Very, very important. In crop rotation, if you don't know what it is or hadn't heard about it, it's the, it's the movement, it's the planting of different vegetables of different families in different areas. So you have to know which family your vegetables are in. For, for instance, in the tomato family or the solanaceous family or whatever you want to call it, nightshade family, some people call it. That's all a grouping of tomatoes, peppers, potatoes, um, a number of different plants all in the same family. When we grow in an area in our raised beds or in our home garden and we do tomatoes in that same spot one year, two years, three years, every year that we grow them, we increase the probability that some disease problem is going to catch hold. And I will get sent pictures of Tomatoes, for instance, that have dieback, that have leaf dying in the middle of the summer, and they want to know why my tomatoes, why their tomatoes didn't do very well. Well, I said, what did you grow there last time? Tomatoes. Why didn't you move them? I didn't know. You know, if you have a raised bed, all you have to do is if you're growing tomatoes in one raised bed, one end of it, then grow it in the other end of the raised bed. It's nice to have to not plant the same family in those places for at least three seasons, growing seasons. It would be better if we could do five growing seasons, but at least three growing seasons. So if we're growing tomatoes, chilies, peppers, whatever it might be in that tomato family, in that area, then we don't grow anything in that family, in that same area again. That's crop rotation. What we're doing is we're minimizing the potential for a disease problem to start to accumulate in that area. By moving it to a new spot, we're moving it to soil that has not been exposed to that disease problem. And if this is a soil-borne disease, like many of our vegetable diseases are, then we, if, we, if we don't move it, we run the risk of building that inoculum, building that pressure for that disease to occur. By moving them, 
we reduce that pressure and we give that area of our raised bed of our vegetable plots a chance to rest. Now this YouTuber that I saw who made this recommendation just happened to luck out. And probably, I'm sure he was a good vegetable grower, but I'm also sure that he lucked out. You know, when, when you start playing around with some of these principles that are solid principles, you're playing a risk game. It's an insurance game. You're betting nothing will happen, or you're ignorant of it. And the, the chance may occur that, an, and a disease problem may occur. <clears throat> then maybe one in a hundred, it might occur in the second year. Maybe it'll be 50 in a hundred the third year. Maybe it'll be 75 in a hundred the third, fourth year. But as we continue to grow in that spot, year after year, the potential for a disease problem to occur builds. And so we give that area of the garden a break through that crop rotation principle. Another method to do that, the lazy man's way, if you want, is to use five-gallon nursery containers, clean ones. If they're not clean, then go ahead and, and cl clean them out and sanitize the inside. Alcohol, uh, Lysol, whatever you want to use, clean it out, let it dry before you plant. Give it a day's rest and then go ahead and fill it with fresh soil and plant your seeds or transplants right in that container. And by the end of the season, we dump that soil. That soil is gone, we re-sanitize the container and we fill it again and start all over again. We don't use the same soil you might get away with it the second year, but I certainly would eliminate it the third year uh, that you're growing vegetables in that container. That's one way to avoid it, is to dump that soil in a vegetable area, in a raised bed. That's very difficult to do. You can't, unless you go ahead and pull all the soil out and replace it, there's not much that you can do except to rotate your crops. The second point, is the vegetable seed. So many, I would say half of the questions I get, I ask them where they buy their seed, and they'll say at some box store somewhere. They don't know the variety. They don't know, they, they know it's like, let's say, a summer squash. But what's happening is there's, there's no production. It's all leaves. It's uh, not producing any fruit. And they say their neighbors they're doing great. They're, they're producing fruit. How come mine, my vegetable, you know, I'm following your, your blog, I'm following your newspaper articles, I'm following your advice, but I'm not getting production, and my neighbors are. How come? What's good? What gives? I, you, know, you didn't use good quality seed. What's the definition of good quality seed? In the desert, you better know your varieties. It's not as critical in some of the areas that are non-desert areas. But in the desert area, there are some varieties that will perform much better than others. And you need to find that out and at least make some of your production with that particular variety every year. 
rotating it, of course, in a new location according to family, but you're going to use that variety every single year, at least part of it. And when you do some experimentation with uh, varieties, don't just replace everything. Replace a small amount. If you have two plants, then grow one that you know is a consistent producer and then try another one that's not. Try another vegetable transplant, another squash plant, whatever it might be that's not. And make notes of it. And when you do try new varieties, don't just look at one year. When you test something, you need to look at multiple years. You can have a cool uh, weather conditions, cool wet weather conditions that maybe this variety loves. Next year it may be hot and dry and that variety doesn't like it. So a minimum of three years before you start telling your neighbors what wonderful success you had with a certain variety. But test that variety. That's why when we're looking at tomatoes, for instance, uh, we're really careful on recommending varieties. And some people are, are not. They'll go, they'll go ahead and say, I had great luck with this variety of tomato uh, this year. And they tell everybody and everybody goes out and tries it or some people try it. And they come back and they say, well, this, the next year it sucks. It's, no, it's not good at all. Well, even the person that was growing it didn't do as well. There are good years for certain varieties and bad years in the desert. So be aware that vegetable seed, when you're trying it, purchase, purchase your seed, go to online catalogs, go to chat rooms where there are, uh, they're talking about vegetable production. Find one that four, five, six people agree is a good producer and at least include one, one of those plants if you're starting it from transplants or seed or whatever it might be. And use fresh seed. If you're not going to use fresh seed, look up seed, seed storage techniques. But the principle that keeps vegetable seeds uh, <clears throat> alive the longest <clears throat> is uh, lower temperatures and low humidity. Anytime when you can add the humidity and the temperature of storage together and it totals less than 100, you're in pretty good shape for vegetable seed storage. So if you have higher temperatures, you're going to have lower humidity. If you have higher humidity in a jar or wherever you're having it, you've got to have, uh, uh, if you have higher humidity, you've got to have lower temperatures uh, as well. That that should, anytime that those two combined add up to something less than 100, you're in fairly good shape. And remember, different seeds store for different lengths of time. Those with a lot of fats and oils in them don't store as well like corn. Uh, doesn't store as long as those that are dry seeds like radish seeds, uh, lettuce seeds store, can store for a long time. So pick good seed or good transplants. Try to pick some that look pristine and then pick a variety you know is a producer. And if you want to do a little bit of experimentation, fine. But don't put everything into that experiment. Reserve something that you know is going to work out for yourself or you're, or you're going to send me a question. Thirdly on this, there is a, a book available uh, from Nevada Cooperative Extension. You can download it free of charge. 
what I would do is in your favorite search engine, you would enter the terms uh, Dr. Sylvan Whitwer, W-I-T-W-E-R, and Vegetable Production, Moapa Valley. And when Dr. Whitwer, when he retired from Michigan State University as their vegetable specialist there, he has a, a very good reputation in the scientific community. And when he moved into Moapa Valley in southern Nevada, he had a very large garden for about eight years before he moved. <clears throat> he moved and then finally passed away. But when he had that, uh, he tried a lot of different things out in that that huge vegetable production area that he had in Moapa Valley. So um, he wrote a book in collaboration with the University of Nevada Cooperative Extension. You can download that that uh, pamphlet or PDF file by entering Dr. Sylvan Whitwer, Moapa Valley, Vegetable Gardening, and it will pop up as a University of Nevada uh, special publication. Go ahead and pull that off and download it. You'll find in there <clears throat> vegetable planting calendar for that particular area. You, you'll have to adapt it for your particular area if, you're, if the climate is dramatically different. But with that, too, he, he goes ahead and, and makes recommendations of certain varieties of vegetables that are consist, have been consistent producers for him. Many of them are, I recognize, as real old, old varieties that he's had luck with, like cucumbers. Uh, he's had straight eights in there, for instance, and whatnot. But he is a <clears throat> traditional producer, an agriculturalist, so he's going to recommend uh, hard pesticides, and he's going to also recommend um, mineral fertilizers. So you'll have to substitute the mineral fertilizers for your own specific organic fertilizers if that's the way that you want to go. And if there are hard pesticides, you'll have to figure out alternatives. But at least you know what the problems may be that could crop up if you grow those particular vegetables in a hot, dry desert climate. And it will give you recommended varieties. And that's where I'm going with this, is that the varieties that he's recommending include a couple of those. Try at least start there and then expand outwards. Try some new stuff, but at least put in something that is going to give you some success. And that guide that he's written is, a, is, a, is excellent information when starting to, uh, to vegetable garden. Or if you're an established vegetable garden, it's a good review of uh, vegetable production and a good guide to, to look at for all of Southern Nevada and into the Mojave Desert uh, areas in California, in Arizona, and whatnot. Dr. Sylvan Whitwer, uh, Vegetable Gardening in Moapa Valley. A principle that I use, and this is point number four, is that when plants take something from the soil, it's important for us to realize that they're doing that and give it back. And what I mean, if we want to have consistent good production and high quality, what I mean by that is the soil is chock full of plant nutrients. As these vegetable seeds are germinating, the transplants are growing, and they're getting larger, they're taking from that soil nutrient um, reservoir in the, and so you need to give something back. Uh, if you are using a good compost mixed in with that soil, 
that compost will have probably everything that you're going to need that those plants are going to need for good production. The one thing that's going to be limiting in there within the first few months of growth is going to be nitrogen. So you'll always want to, if you've got a compost mixed in that soil and, and it's a fresh soil mix, then you'll, you'll want to start side dressing. You'll want to start applying some nitrogen fertilizer uh, as it's growing. So what I usually do is I find a nitrogen source that I like and then I lightly, very lightly, feed these plants high nitrogen or a nitrogen fertilizer slowly and consistently through the growing season so that it's got plenty to live off of. I, I, tried, I will avoid applying an excess amount because if you apply too much of that, if too much is present, then it's going to go into what we call luxury consumption. And the plants are going to get large. It could delay the flowering time because they're going to want to get big before they start flowering. Just keep in mind uh, that when you have vegetables that are going to produce flowers and fruit, then that initial uh, application of, of plant nutrients at the very beginning is enough until they begin to flower and set fruit. Then go ahead and fertilize again lightly, always lightly when we're, when we're fertilizing. Even onions, <clears throat> if we're growing onions as transplants or sets or whatever, seed or whatever, as they're growing, give that soil something back. And if we're using compost, depending upon the amount of compost that was in that mix at the very beginning, and I like to start with about uh, 30% in that, in that soil mix by volume. If I do that, I, I'll, I'll look at the plants, watch your plants. And if the plants are starting to, when they first come up and it's rich, and the soil is rich in nutrients, they're going to come up dark green. They're going to be really dark green. And if you're using a compost, a manure-based compost of some sort, uh, they're going to come up extremely dark green. Watch the color. Watch the color of the leaves. And as the leaves begin to lighten up, as the leaf growth is no longer dark green, but is a medium green, it's time that we have to lightly, very lightly, apply some fertilizer to that area. Then the better way with established plants in rows or in blocks is to hand apply it in a small-scale production, hand apply it lightly in those areas, either by side dressing or, or scattering it on the soil surface and let it water in. Because if we take a high nitrogen fertilizer and we throw it out there, uh, we can do that at the very beginning when the seeds aren't up and transplants aren't up. But if we do that later on, we do run the risk that that fertilizer could burn those plants. So we'll side dress or apply it to the soil fairly close and, and let it water in. But it, that's done. Again, I can't emphasize it's done lightly. Emphasize. Watch your plants. Look at the color of the leaves and that'll determine your nitrogen content. If that soil mix that you had had a, a good quality compost in it, it's got everything in it. And the first thing that's going to run out is going to be the nitrogen. Just watch your leaf color before you start to apply that nitrogen again. 
but don't be afraid to apply it either. And at some point, that that compost from that soil is going to be gone. And it just depends on the compost, but it could take two or three years. But I wouldn't go over two years before I reapplied about a one-inch layer of compost and dug that back in, or at least added to the, to that soil. Because remember, when we put compost down, it does two things. It builds the structure of that soil, but also adds nutritional elements to that soil. It adds plant food to that soil. Some composts add more plant food than others. Some are what we call, what I would call, richer than others. And for heaven's sakes, when you are composting, remember, it's compost and to wash your hands. I don't care if it was a hot composting process. I'll talk about that in another blog or a cold composting process. You still wash your hands with soap and water. Remember that tune? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. You sing that tune to the very end while you're washing your hands because it's not the soap that gets off the contaminants. It's the rubbing of the hands together. And you'll do it long enough to sing happy birthday all to its end. Well, that's about it and that particular topic. I hope I passed a little something on to you, but I hear that music in the background, so it's time to go. So you take care now and happy vegetable production times. Bye-bye. Learn more about desert horticulture on my blog, Extreme Horticulture of the Desert. That's all one word, extreme horticulture, and starting with an X. Take some of my classes on desert horticulture. Google or search for Bob Morris on Eventbrite.